Blog Talk Radio. Won't you stand in your great hands? Good morning and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach December podcast. I'm Catherine Stafford in Mill Creek, Washington, where I am a licensed clinical social worker and a Nurtured Heart Approach advanced trainer, counselor, and author. I am also the mother of four amazing kids. I am delighted this morning to introduce my co-host from Tucson, Arizona. He is the creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach and chairman of the Children's Success Foundation. I'm excited to introduce my friend Howard Glasser. Good morning, Howie. Hi, Catherine. How are you today? I'm great, Howie. How are you? I'm excited. I uh, I love our guests. I consider them dear friends and colleagues, and um, their work excites me to the core. Um, they are doing um, the most um, creative um, act of bringing the Nurtured Heart Approach to kids, and I know this is really meaningful to you. You, you, you and I got to chat a little yesterday, and I'd, I'd love to hear your, where you are right now with, your, with, with that. Yeah, I have to say I, I am about as excited as I could possibly be about this topic. And I have to tell you something, too, Howie, and this is, this is kind of personal for you. I woke up, well, I guess this morning looking forward to this podcast, and I realized it was December 20th. And for me, December 20th is three days since, or three years, I'm sorry, since I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I have to tell you that this day what I was thinking was is it's the Nurture Heart Approach. It's the foundation and the philosophy and the three stands and the people that really gave me the tools to create, and I did the math, it's, a, it's 1,095 days of really living with intention and celebrating each moment and, and radical appreciation. So while I had you, I wanted to thank you for that because mm. Nurture Heart Approach touches you in ways that you never expect, you know, based on how you get into it initially. So thank you. I wanted to just say thank you. Mm, well, I could hear in your voice day. how meaningful that is to you and uh, kind of having been um, kind of uh, on the outskirts of this, you know, um, for you, uh, you know, in the background, along for the ride, and um, I just cherish um, all you bring to your work, your work with autism, um, your work with your family, and um, having met your family um, in adoration. Thank you, and that's the cool thing about the Nurture Heart community, I think, is it's just these deep, amazing relationships, so thank you, and, and while I have you, I want to make sure that every listener who's, who's on today has an understanding of the basis of Nurtured Heart Approach, so that when they're listening to this conversation, they're looking or listening to the context you know, of the Nurtured Heart lens, so would you just take a couple minutes again to just give us that nutshell <laughs> okay. summary of the approach? In yet another way that where in I yet another way, or the same way, whatever, whatever flows. Well, it's always different. You know, I, I feel kids read um, their world by way of energy. It's like Braille. You know, they, you know, we could say anything we want, but they they perceive the world they're in by the way the energy flows, and it's very easy for kids to pick up inadvertently that you know they they have a juicier world their world is infinitely more interesting and alive when things are going wrong <laughs> rather than when things are going right you know that's right. what we, that's when things are wrong that's when we lean in and get excited and uh and some kids just become somewhat addicted to that they fall they fall into the spell of when i think we all want an alive life. You know, we want we want to feel intimacy and closeness and connection and and some kids uh wind up 
realizing they get a better version of that, better broadband when things are going wrong. And Nurtured Heart Approach is about turning that around, giving them a new energetic impression that the truth is that they're stunning human beings and, and that they, they can have um, more than fulfilling and gratifying connection when things are going right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's beautifully summarized. Thank you so much. You're and welcome. before I introduce our guest, who I'm so excited to introduce, I also want to say that we're very appreciative of anybody who's joining us live on the phone or on the computer, and for everybody else who will listen later to the archive broadcast. So today we have, as you know, Howie, two amazing advanced trainers. These ladies are fiercely determined to grow greatness in every single child that they come across. And like you said, I'm, I'm giddy about this topic because I believe that what they're doing is a, not only a critical piece for every child, but absolutely essential for our special needs kids within schools. So I'm really excited to hear what they have to say. These two women are innovators. They're incredibly intentional and creative with how they brought Nurtured Heart Approach into their schools. And they have both developed their programs called Greatness Kits, programs within their schools using um, peer mentorship programs. So I'd first like to welcome B.J. Bird. B.J. has her master's in, this is a hard word, kinesthesiology, I think that's right, and holds a multiple subject teaching credential with a specialization in special education. She has been a Nurtured Heart Advanced trainer since 2011, and since then she's trained teachers, admin, counselors, parents. She's currently joining us from Alamo, California, where she's an elementary PE teacher, building relationship with over 470 students and making sure each and every one learns about their greatness. She's also created a school-based leadership program at her school where fourth and fifth graders, <laughs> trained in Nurtured Heart Approach, are leading the school running club and providing support during recess. And this has me so excited. BJ is also a wife and mother and a dynamic human being. Welcome, BJ. Thank you. Great to be on. Thank Hi, you so BJ. much for joining us. I'm also really excited to introduce Celeste Elsie. Celeste has a master's degree in special education and works as an educational specialist in Cooley Middle School in Roseville, California. She's been practicing Nurtured Heart Approach for six years and has been an advanced trainer since 2009. And she also trains parents, educators, therapists, social workers, and students in the approach. And she creates and coordinates her Greatness Kids program, which at her school utilizes the approach with academic peer mentors, and she also is now teaching an intervention class for students struggling with school-related anxiety and depression, which is amazing. And she further uses this approach to run effective, appropriate, and positive IEP meetings. And she and her husband have been practicing the approach with their three now adult sons. Another amazing woman. Good morning, Celeste. Good morning. Thank you. How are you both today? I'm spectacular. I'm excited, I'm honored, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to share the greatness of what these kids I work with are up to. So let's just jump into that because I'm excited to hear about what you guys have to say about this. And I know, Celeste, if I remember correctly, this Greatness Kids program was kind of your baby a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, if could you start out by kind of just sharing how this came to be born in your world and your school where it yes, started? Yes, I can. So five or six years ago at Cooley Middle School, we started really looking at ways to support all students on our campus using RTI, which is Response to Intervention, and we realized that we had to come up with a way to meet the needs of struggling students during the day, so we created a class called E-Period, and it's a time when students needing support in math and language arts can go to those types of classrooms to get that extra support. Students not needing support participate in enrichment-type classes. And um, Stephanie Rule, our former school counselor, had the idea that we should have mentors um, 
you know, supporting their peers in academics. And so we created a group of mentors. These are our, you know, brightest kids. With They had to have advanced and proficient star scores. Um, and uh, Stephanie actually um, decided to become a stay-at-home mom, and um, so I kind of took this on. And uh, Stephanie also had the idea that we should train these kids in the approach. So um, I started out training this group. It was 120 students at the time, and I trained them in the basics of the approach, and it just happened to be that Howard Glasser was touring California that fall, and he stopped by Cooley Middle School to meet these kids that had been trained in his approach. And uh, our principal, Karen Calkins, was in the room with all of us, and she referred to the kids as the greatness kids. Mm-hmm. So that's where they got their name, and that's how the program started. Well, so it sounds like it really was intentionally for helping academic support and using peers as the mentor was was the initial inspiration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where has it gone since then? I know you have branched out in all sorts of different you know, applications within your school community. Well, it's just been a really great thing to watch. And, you know, it has its challenges. Um, everyone that I come across doesn't really um, fully understand the approach and maybe um, – doesn't have the buy-in, so I've had to really be fearless to make it happen. Um, but when people see the results with the kids right in front of them, you know, there's no question. Um, so it's amazing. These kids that mentor their peers, what I've done is really teach them the three stands. Um, and, you know, you can really take the approach and use it um, based on whatever you need it for. So for them, as far as resetting, it was more about being able to reset as leaders on this campus, to reset kids when they're struggling with their math or language arts, Mm -hmm. to be able to reset kids or themselves out on campus. You know, um, we even covered topics like being able to stop the gossip. Um, But, Mm. you know, it's... Can we hear hear more about that, too? Yeah, you know, um, the third stand is about um, for... Parents and adults, it's about uh, having clear rules and consequences. But for kids, I teach them to reset themselves and to Mm -hmm. reset others in an appropriate way. You know, research shows that kids um, learn better from their peers than they do from Mm -hmm. adults. Mm -hmm. So this is such a great opportunity to really support struggling students. And these mentors, like I said, are very bright kids, and they're able to sit down with their peers and help them with writing assignments or with um, math assignments. And oftentimes these struggling students um, aren't really interested in doing their academics. They'd rather mess around or talk about others or, you know, act out in the class. So having these mentors trained in the approach really gives them the tools they need to guide their peers. And, you know, there's really nothing more powerful. So um, back to what Howard was talking about, something that kids really get, especially at middle school age, is how powerful the negativity of the words of others can be. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, teaching them that they don't have to repeat the gossip, that they can find something right in the moment to point out instead. It's just such a gift. And I see using these tools and the – the results are just magnificent. 
So have you seen the ripple effect? Have you seen that those who are trained, you know, and they're working with their students, that their peers, that then those peers are learning the approach just by virtue of just being immersed in it, and then they're rippling it out into, you know, the, the bigger school community? I do, and it's interesting because um, I work with those Greatness Kid mentors. We train with them once a month, and then I also, of course, use the approach with my resource students and language learners and any struggling students that I work with. And um, sometimes it's so funny. I'll be out and about, and kids will mic- mimic me. Like they, under- they'll mm-hmm. say, "Oh, you better reset, Mrs. Elsie," or they talk about their greatness. They come running up to me and talk about their greatness. So, you know, there's nothing better than that. And sometimes these are students that I haven't even met. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That must warm your heart. It's so, you know, these kids get me through the day. Right. Um, do you want me to talk about my other group that just started this year? Sure, that would be great. I actually, actually, let's take a second and let's let's hear a little bit from BJ. I'd love to hear BJ because I know you kind of knew of Celeste's model and how she was using it in California. And how did you take her initial inspiration and translate that over to the needs that you had up in Alamo? So um, last year, last school year, I had um, three of my former students, uh, fifth graders, come up to me and request for us to start a run club or do some type of field day. And I said, well, I'm willing to, to do a run club with you guys, but here's the deal. You've got to do most of the work, and we've got to get other kids buying into this, et cetera. And so we met a couple times. Um, we uh, started it in February, and by the time we were up and running, they had about 20 20 fifth graders, and then that trickled down into some uh, fourth and third graders who were willing to get up early before school and show up almost an hour before school started to set up the course, get everything ready, be the people who are tallying the runs, etc. And so it was this great opportunity for leadership, and um, we just got a lot of positive feedback from it. And at the same time, my principal had made the decision that she was going to start to use um, some of the fourth and fifth graders as um, some mentors out on the place playground, especially the lower grades, and just kind of have them be an extra set of eyes or out there engaging kids and playing with them and stuff. And so this summer, um, I just came up with the idea of let's combine the two programs. Um, I didn't know at the time what I was going to call them, and then I met with Celeste, and I'm like, so how do you run your program, Celeste? What do you do? How do you do it? And I said to her, I said, I'm I'm a little hesitant on calling them greatness kids because I don't know how that's going to be received at my school. And she goes, go for it. Be fearless in it. Do it anyways. So I approached my principal. I laid out the concept that I wanted to run our programs together. I wanted to provide them with actually some training. I wanted to use Nurtured Heart as the basis for it. And I wanted to call them greatness kids. And she's like, all right. So off and running, we did a little bit of a – Right when school started, like literally the first week of school, because our run club started our third week of school, I was in the lunchroom, and I was like, okay, if you want to be a leader on campus, you want to be part of the Greatness Kids, here's some opportunities for you to help with run club or help out at recess time. You have to fill out this application. We wanted it to be something where they had to take some ownership in it and that they were going to be serious about it. And um, we ended up with over 120 kids apply. And so then we came up with the issue of, are we going to cut anybody or are we going to keep everybody? And so um, when I sat down to do the schedule and I kind of looked at it and we talked about what it was going to be about, we chose to leave everybody in the program and find a place for them because we knew it was kids who were already leaders just wanting another opportunity to shine and kids who weren't so much leaders that were looking for a way to maybe fit in or do something that was of service to others. 
And so that's kind of where it has started. And um, I've met with uh, both the groups a couple times. We've played a couple games from Howard Moody and um, my run club group since we finished up our fall session um, at the beginning of December. We met last week, and I did some training with them on the Nurtured Heart, and we played some more games of Howard's. And the kids were just off the charts, spot on, were getting what I was doing, what I was talking about. Um, One of the kids said in the training, she's like, when I asked, so who has greatness? And she goes, everybody has greatness, just Mm -hmm. some people don't decide to show it. And it, it, and the profound things, this is when I wish that I had a video crew on campus so that when we do these kind of trainings and kids really truly speak and get the program, that we could grab videotape footage of these kids sharing from what they're learning and how they're taking it back out into the world and trying to do things differently because they're seeing things differently. Mm-hmm. So, and. Yeah, and then just seeing the 470 kids through my PE classes um, and trying to run greatness circles. I run greatness circles at the end of class about the last three to five minutes, about 80% of the time right now. And when I don't run them, the interesting thing is the kids always want them. Mm. They're like, can we, can we talk about other kids' greatness? I'm like, well, today we, we decided to play the game a little longer, but you can go up at any time and tell somebody about their greatness, or I let them tell me and um, just kind of allow them to speak the language and are learning it. And this is from first through fifth graders. It's not just my fourth and fifth grade leaders. I'm so impressed with, with your verve and, um, and your determination. It, it, you're so clearly both committed to this in such a big way. Would, BJ, would you say a word um, about how your work with greatness um, has impacted your uh, a president's physical fitness? Because I'm so proud of the little bit I know of it. It's so exciting to me. So... I've been a physical education teacher at the elementary level for 12 years now, and I always think I kind of knew intuitively that relationship was an important piece in staying connected to these kids, especially when I only see them twice a week for 45 minutes. They're not my, they're not in my homeroom. I just, they just come through my classes, and so I see anywhere, you know, from from four to seven classes of kids a day, and I've got to find a way to connect with them. And the cool thing is that um, I was turned on to to the Nurtured Heart approach in 2011. And I think what it did is it gave me a framework to connect on a deeper level and put things in a better perspective where when I connect with the kids, I can connect on a more intentional level with them. And it's not just about, hey, how was it? You know, what did you guys do this weekend? What sports did you play? Oh, how would you do? It was like I could just really go after them, especially when, you know, a kid is struggling, et cetera. You can just be really intentional about connecting with them. And what I found is is that um, when I first started at the school I'm at eight years ago, we were around 100 kids, give or take a few every year, of, of completing the presidential physical fitness test, which is hitting six, uh, five standards at an 85th percentile level for their age group and gender. And I was like, okay. And then I kind of saw it increase a little bit to around the 140s, 150s. And then when I hit um, Nurtured Heart and brought that back to the school, it started jumping in leaps and bounds and we went up to 175 and then we went up to 190 and then we went over 200 the last two years. And it's, it's just, I think what it's done is, is allow me to zero in on the kids and just set a staying good job or keep on running as you can say, look, you're doing it. You're moving your body the way you are capable of doing it. And I see how much hard work and effort you've put into this. And I think that, that starting at such an early age, my fifth graders that I have right now, 
were second graders when I came back with the approach. And they understand it on a much deeper level because they've been with me for four years. And so the next year, my group of fifth graders will have been with me the whole five years. And so it's just exciting um, to be able to see the growth individually and collectively in them and how they like to accuse each other of what's going great. And they also like to share it with me, which, you know, as Celeste knows and all of us know, it fills your heart when a kid can come up to you and tell you that your presence is just about greatness and that you instill that in everybody just by being there. Absolutely. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is the fact that you got the buy-in from the admin and from the students so seamlessly is because of your living it intentionally every moment. You know, you're practicing what you're preaching, and that was clearly evident to everybody on your campus. That's an amazing program. I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit more about the, the recess piece and how you're training kids to go out there and support positive play and inclusion on the playground. So we're, we're, like I said, we're in the big-time infancy of this whole thing. So I have not done as much with the recess helpers, um, mainly because I have a full-time job, and I took this on as extra hours. And so right now it's um, more of me working through them through the PE class and getting them to do it. Now, our vision that I've just relayed to the stakeholders at our school is to be able to look next year, next school year, at possibly funding um, me to be released from teaching for 90 minutes a week to be able to go out and supervise these kids that are out on the playground and give them tools for actually teaching more inclusive games and how to connect with kids that are maybe bystanders. They understand it at a level of, you know, when somebody's by themselves, oh, I can go up and connect with them, but I want to take it even deeper, um, kind of like what Playworks does and what Rhett right. uh, has shared with me is, is bring them opportunities to have games with silly equipment, not just a ball and shooting baskets or playing handball or tetherball, but bringing out a hula hoop and doing something silly with it that they wouldn't have normally thought about. And so I'm looking forward to um, coming back in February after um, CTI training in January and presenting that to the stakeholders and seeing if they'll give us buy-in because at the elementary level it's so critical to develop um, good play behaviors so that when they go to middle school and everything's amped up a little bit and they become smaller fish in a bigger pond, that they have the skills to stand by themselves or to stand up for somebody else or to reach out to that kid that's maybe over there sitting by themselves and sit with them. Right. That that's beautiful, and I love that intention because I know you and I have talked a bit about the fact that that's that's my love that way of how do you help include these these kids with social cognitive challenges perhaps who are out in the playground just peripheral, and they're you know they're in, they're invisible sort of right. Mm-hmm. So it's about going beyond not bullying them, but how do we really get kids to seek to pull them in and to meet them where they're at and to help these mm. kids really feel like they've got a place within the social community. So, bravo, and I can't wait to hear how that one unfolds. And, you know, I, I, I've been reading a lot about play since I'm working with Howard Moody to, to um, bring forth Nurtured Heart Play, and, and I love that you're carving out that model. But, but my, my, um, my studies are bringing me to see the, the magnificence of play, how, how so many corporations are trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to get people who don't know how to collaborate in the corporate world, who yep. struggle to, um, in, in many areas of uh, life functioning uh, that, uh, that pertain to getting along with other people and working along with, uh, alongside other people, 
in teams and, and how play, um, there's so many studies now that support that health, play makes all the difference in the world. And healthy play, goodness, what that would do. And so uh, I love that you're carving that model. And I love what Catherine is, is kind of um, bringing forth is we're, we're all so fascinated with this, uh, how, to, how to have an impact on bullying. And uh, I can't help but think that I'd love to hear from both of you on this and, and how you see, do you see any evidence uh, in addition to what you've said already uh, in bigger patterns or smaller patterns that you feel pertain to bullying? Um, I've seen a little bit. It's more with my older kids where um, one kid is is typically picked out in a class and, you know, every time something goes wrong, their name is called. And I've seen kids now start to stand up and say, hey, it's okay. You don't have to keep picking on him. He knows what he did wrong or what, you know, just mm-hmm. to kind of to get the kids off that off the back. And mm-hmm. I think by um, having the greatness circle at the end of each of my PE classes most of the time, it allows them to communicate communicate with each other in um, a positive way. Most of our class meetings on campus, unfortunately, still revolve around problem solving and Mm. what's not going right and what's happening wrong on the playgrounds, whereas at the end of my class, it doesn't matter what happened, if a kid got in a fight, whatever, we still have a greatness circle, and the only thing the kids can talk about is what they saw that was going right in somebody else. And Yeah, and over time, you start to see that Kids who um, are shy and quiet are speaking up and accusing other kids of what they're doing right, or their their peers are starting to see what's going right in them. And then they start to fill themselves up from that inside-out perspective, and they start to see, well, yeah, I don't have to stand over here like a wallflower. I, my peers still do like me. Maybe they don't tell me. It's an alternative way of being powerful, and I think that's mm-hmm. what you know a lot of bullying might have to do with in the first place. Everybody's trying to feel how they could be powerful. I remember working at Head Start a long time ago when uh, the, for all I know, it's still a rage, but uh, uh, when Power Rangers were a rage and, <laughs> and kids, you know, would come in with their capes and they'd be, you know, uh, you know doing those karate moves. And, um, you know, I think, you know, code for, we all want to be powerful. And, and I think what you're saying exactly is, is so, so telling, so informing of kids who um, are finding ver- different strands of kids, the, the outsiders and the insiders who are finding different ways of being powerful. Absolutely. Hey, Celeste, you're in a middle school campus. How is this affecting the bullying and the, the peer culture within your community? The biggest thing that I've noticed is that students that have been trained in this approach, whether they just are students that I work with as every day or if they participate in one of my groups, is that they know that they don't have to energize the bullying. That's the problem I see in middle school. One student may start it or maybe between two students, and others choose to join in. Right. So the kids I work with, know that they don't have to join in and they can be the one fearless enough to stop the bullying. It doesn't mean necessarily that they have to step in, although sometimes they do, but they realize that they don't have to participate. They can reset themselves. Even if they want to participate, they don't have to participate. And that can really shut it down if you have enough students that believe that they don't have to participate. Mm. So the bystanders are choosing to no longer be bystanders. 
Yeah, they don't have to. Yeah. Away well, no, they can walk away. I yeah. hear lots of um, walking away stories. Really? Mm-hmm. That, that's music to my ears. Yeah, uh, and I hear walking away stories from the kids that are actually the ones being bullied. And I hate that word bully. I can hardly stand to say it. But mm-hmm. the kids being targeted with the negativity, they right. are choosing to walk away. Well, that, that's an interesting framework. Um, you know, post the Gabby Gifford shooting here in Tucson, uh, I was asked to give a talk, and and um, <clears throat> I hadn't talked on bullying, but I, you know, every now and then I thought about it. But one of the things that um, I dialed into that I didn't expect would come up for me was that, you know, the maybe the worst, you know, very few of us get you know, uh, 100% support in, 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 in every way. You know, to, to some extent we're all bullied in, in, in that we're, are, we're thwarted or we're, we're put down or we're, you know, pushed, pushed aside, you know, and ridiculed. Or invisible, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and, or invisible. And, and so, you know, we all have a strand of it. Some kids, you know, get massive doses of it. But in any case, I think one of the strands that you you guys are addressing that I love is is that by way of that I know as a kid who had been bullied in in, in a lot of different ways um, I grew up then bullying myself and I think that's the mm-hmm. epidemic in the world mm-hmm. that that maybe the external manifestations of bullying will stop when we stop bullying ourselves and mm-hmm. and I think what I hear you both saying very clearly is that you're having an impact on how kids see their world and how they they can kind of uh, if they find themselves bullying themselves, meaning targeting negative thoughts, as you beautifully said, Celeste. They they could stop it. They could curtail it either mm-hmm. with others or the inside themselves. I'd love to hear your both comment on the internal version of what you see. If, if you see any healing among the kids you're getting to know, if they're getting better at being appreciative of themselves and if they're getting better at, at, at like, choosing to not believe themselves. And, Howie, doesn't that have to go perfectly with what Celeste was talking about with her program focused on school anxiety and depression because that's so much about self-talk. So, Celeste, mm. could you talk a little bit about that amazing program, that piece of it? Because that's exactly what mm. Howie's mentioning. Mm-hmm. I sure can, and it's this, um, you know, new this year. I'm part of our intervention team here at Cooley Middle School, and we worked very hard to come up with our three tiers of support for academics over the past few years. And last spring we realized, oh, my gosh, we better set up a three-tiered support for behavior. So while we were working on that, I had the idea, oh, my gosh, what if I had an E-period class that offered – behavior support using the nurtured heart approach, the same way kids receive support in math and language arts. And um, with my meeting I had with BJ in August, the intention that BJ has was so, oh my gosh, so inspirational to me that it left me with no choice but to be fearless and bring up my idea to our intervention team. I didn't know how it was going to go um, having this group. I, it was kind of like an experiment. 
So everyone loved the idea. I have the incredible support of my principal, Karen Calkins. And so I moved forward. Um, I had the school psychologist and the school counselor, or mental health counselor, actually, um, give me a, 14 names. And I didn't know most of these kids. And I thought, well, I'll um, meet with them four times a week for 30 minutes, use what I know about the approach, and um, see what happens. It's been quite amazing. Um, you know, when these kids came in, you know, I knew a little bit of their background. Some have had really tried to hurt themselves in the past. Some were struggling with come to, coming to school. They were struggling with being successful in school, struggling socially, um, having problems with peers, problems at home, you name it, they had it going on. I did call every parent ahead of time to let them know and to really get their permission and let them know what I was up to. I shared a little bit about the approach with parents. Um, and it's one of the most incredible things I've ever had the opportunity to do because these kids get the approach. They don't have the barriers like I think we as adults have when we're trying to learn the approach. They um, came in and sat down on the first day. I'll never forget it. Their body language was as if they wanted to be invisible. Um, they didn't want to speak up. Some of them would hardly speak at all. I had kids with their heads down on the table. Um, I have this eighth-grade boy that's new to Cooley this year, and he shared lots of experiences of being bullied, you know, at his previous schools. And um, I'd start the day with everyone talking about their greatness, you know, we just go around the room, share a quality of greatness. And this boy would have his head down about every day when he'd come in, and he would just barely lift up his head and say, pass. So I didn't make a big deal. I'd keep moving on. And one day we were talking about um, Shamu and being able to lower the rope, and um, he had his head down on the table, and when it came to his turn, he just lifted his head up a little bit and said, I'm glad to be alive. Hmm. And I stopped the group and I said, does everyone hear what he just said? That's the ultimate lowering of the rope. He's happy to be alive. Um, we'd spend a lot of time talking about how to see greatness when everything is falling apart around you. Mm -hmm. And this boy, his life changed in that moment. And, and I'm not exaggerating. And this Ow. kid has lots of support on our campus. Um, but he shows up to my group. He's a wise kid. He's a great speaker. He's an inspiration. His grades are improving. His mother is thrilled. I've made a few positive phone calls home. He's, he's a new kid. Mm -hmm. um, I have another girl in my group that, you know, when I – when I first um, was going to start the group, I had the kids come into my office one at a time so I could meet them and explain what I was up to. And this beautiful girl came in and she sat down. I said, hi, I'm Mrs. Elsie. You're, uh, I won't say her name. Anyway, I said, tell me about yourself. And she said, well, I have to look at this every morning in the mirror. And my stomach's fat and, yeah, and just started going on about all of these negative things. And I said, okay, let's stop right there. Tell me about what's going well in your life. So she was able to do that. Anyway, a few weeks into our class, I noticed that although she had great participation, as she was walking out and saying goodbye to me, she would put herself down. Like, oh, I blew that today, or I didn't do very well in that activity. 
So I pulled her aside one day and I said to her, I'd like you to try something. When you have the urge to say something negative about yourself, how about using a reset and not saying it out loud? And I know it's going to be hard, and I realize that it's a pattern, um, you know, and a habit that you have going on, but what do you think about that? And she said, won't say it out loud? I said, yeah, don't say it. Try to change that thought in your head to something that's going well. Think of your positive qualities and really work at not saying positive things about yourself out loud to others because you have so much to offer with your positive qualities. And she kind of laughed and she agreed to give it a try. I told her, if you can do this, it will change your life. This young lady has blossomed so much. She's coming to school. She's happy. She's getting along with people. Um, she's not, she, she had been getting into big trouble fighting and things like that, and it's not happening anymore. Um, so it's really my new favorite thing. Um, you know, these, these kids get it. And, you know, mm. now that I see that mm. it's working in their lives and I'm hearing from the mental health counselor that these kids are like new kids. Yep. So I've been working with our school psychologist to come up with a way to collect data. I'm starting a new group after we come back from the winter grape. And uh, we found a social-emotional self-rating scale Mm -hmm. that I'm going to have the kids take. It covers depression, anxiety, anger, disruptive behavior, and self-concept. I'll have them take that self-survey at the beginning and the end of the course. And then I'm going to collect data on them, including their grades, attendance, and then behavior referrals. I'm also working with the psychologist to create a survey for the teacher that covers things like participation, respect, paying attention in class, positive attitude, all of those things. Because I can see that this using the approach with these kids that are struggling with these kinds of issues is just so powerful and incredible. Can I help you publish that in a journal? Absolutely. And, I love and, research. Uh, I'm in. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm in too, and I know a journal that's dying for an article from us. So that would love this. It's it's the uh, Journal of Empathic Therapies, and and they and and really what you're teaching kids to be is empathic with themselves. Mm-hmm. It's it's the antithesis of bullying, and um, I'm I'm you know I'm so heartwarmed by both those stories, those kids. Uh, it, it just makes must make you feel full every day. Oh, my gosh. And the beauty of it is they, you know, I really have a challenging job. And I love my job, and it's very challenging. And, you know, these kids can make my day. One day I was walking to go teach their class, and I was so frustrated that I started to cry. And, you know, in that moment I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I've got to pull myself together. Come on, you can do it. And so I walked into the classroom and I thought, you know what, they're going to see a live reset in action. You know, they could tell something was wrong. My eyes are all red. My face is red. And I just started with the class and, and had everyone talk about their qualities of greatness. And, and then I told them what had happened and how me being with them caused my reset to happen because that's the power they have in the world, they can change people just by being their greatness. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, you know, we all have those days where we have our struggles. Sometimes I walk around thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm a nurtured heart fraud. (laughs) 
All I have to do is reset myself. Welcome to the club. I know. But my point is that I've never You've coined a new term. I know, seriously. It's a quick reset, though, Howie. Um, But, you know, these kids have the power, and they're our future. And if if we can get them to see the greatness in the world, instead of everything that's going wrong, it will make real differences. Well, and Celeste, I'm reminded of kind of our last month's podcast. To me, I'm thinking as you're talking, and I kind of heard your your emotion and your voice when you started this story, and that notion of the power of one person who doesn't have to be a Ph.D. or a trained therapist or anything, just that power of intention of seeing and believing in every single child's greatness and refusing to not let them step into it is magnificent. So I hope the mental health field isn't rocked by this idea of, you know, how easy it is to shift with this powerful formula, but that's the (laughs) truth of it, right? So. Um, I guess I have to, the bell just rang, and I want to take a moment right now to make sure that people know that they can become a follower of this channel on Blog Talk Radio and to follow Nurture Heart on Facebook and Twitter by clicking on the icons. And also anybody who's joining for the first time or first exposure to Nurture Heart Approach can join a free e-course and check out other online courses on the WWW Children's Success Foundation um, website. And also, I'm sure Howie's deep into this. Coming up in Tucson, 19th to the 24th of January, is the next certification training intensive with Howie facilitating Howard Glasser as the amazing one-week total immersion into Nurture Heart Approach so that anybody out there can do what you guys are doing in such amazing and powerful ways in your schools. It's remarkable. Well, I'm, I'm, um, I, I have been working so diligently on this upcoming training and I am so excited. It's going to be fantastic and um, I hope people who are getting inspired by hearing BJ and and uh, Celeste are, are feeling like they want to get in on learning how this uh, remarkable work impacts kids and communities and um, I'm so inspired by the creativity of our two guests today, aren't you Catherine? I am, and that's the beautiful thing about it is you learn the, the, the approach, and then it just trickles out into your world in so many unexpected ways. And you can be an innovator. You can create new and amazing ways to use this approach in whatever niche, you know, is your passion out in the world. And you two have certainly found your niche and your passion, and I'm so excited to see how this continues to evolve. I'm hoping you guys are putting together as you're doing this process, you know, something that can then be replicated all over the world so that every school has the opportunity to do what you're doing with them. It's just it's remarkable to me, and I think it really is such a missing piece. So I thank the two of you from the bottom of my heart for what you're doing in your schools, and I'm hoping that I can kind of gather your wisdom and, and do that up here in Washington. Any do parting we, uh, words what's for our, you two? Oh, sorry, Howie. Oh, I want to know um, what our timeline is like, if we could hear any, if we have time for any last words. We do. We have about two more minutes. So I think that both BJ and Celeste, if you have some parting pearls of wisdom, that would be great. Well, one of the things I want to just kind of leave with, because I know Celeste and I have talked about this, is is that even when there's um, not complete buy-in from the staff and community of where you are, you can still go out and have the creative vision and intention to create a program. And I think what happens ultimately is by doing your creativity and, and, crea- and doing it with such intention and passion that everybody follows along with you. And I, I have to say I'm blessed now with a principal who is behind me and allows me to step out 
outside the box, as well as teachers on our campus at Rancho that just really enjoy seeing how the kids are changing and evolving through the things that I do with them at PE or the leadership groups. And I, I feel blessed to be able to do and um, to create and be innovative. You've worked hard for that. I know you've worked so hard to make that happen. <clears throat> how about and, you, you know, my parting words are to anyone out there that's nervous about starting something like this on their campus, I believe that it's really about having confidence, being fearless, and having huge intention. Intention is the thing that makes it happen. And when you do things like BJ's doing or like what I'm doing, the energy from the kids is what keeps it going. And the energy mm -hmm. from the kids is so much stronger than any negative energy you come across from anyone else. Adults, meaning adults. <laughs> um, so intention is where it's at. And yeah. this, you know, it's hard for me to put in words the tremendous results that I've seen. Absolutely. It's just all Thank so, you so great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody, and thank you for any listeners who are taking time to listen in. The next pod, pod, blah, broadcast that we have will be Friday, um, coming up in in February. Gosh, we're going to be in January, January 17th, 12 noon. We're going to have Louisa Triandis and Tammy Small. Both our guests are going to talk more about their amazing innovations using Nurtured Heart within schools. So thank you so much, you guys, for all of your hard work and what you're doing out there. I so appreciate it. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, BJ and Celeste. You're incredible inspirations to so many, and I love your work. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Okay. Talk to Take you care. later. Bye. Bye.